a bit of review, and then we're going to get into some new things this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about worship. We're going to talk some more about respect and, and, and what respect and worship have to do with one another. The other thing that we may not get to really make some strong connections to, but I just want to at least put it out there for you, is there's a, there's a really powerful connection between what you trust and what you worship. What you trust and what you worship. Remember what Jesus said. He said you can't serve God and money. And when he talks about serving, he's not just talking about as a slave, but he's talking about what you look to as that which sustains you or supports you or, or, or carries you through. And, and we see that um, there are a lot of folks in our world today who worship money. Um, they prefer money uh, over God. They look to money to do for them what ultimately God created us and, and is intended to do for us. And so notice how the trust and the worship when it comes to, and you hate to use something negative to try to make the point, but um, we, we're learning that the more esteem that we have for God, esteem, we said, facilitates trust. And the more we esteem Him, um, the easier it is, the more natural it is for us to trust Him. So worship creates um, uh, a situation to where trust comes very easy and very natural, okay? Um, if, 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 we, if we're worshiping one thing or putting something ahead of God, it's, it's going to make it very forced at best, <laughs> To, uh, to put our trust in Him. So worship and trust coincide with one another. And I want you to kind of think about those things as we work our way through some of this. Amen. All right, let's, um, let's begin again this morning at John 14 and 15. And I'll put it on the screen. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But if you've been around here for a few weeks, you know what He really said is, if you agape me, keep my commandments. And agape is um, translated love in the English Bible, um, but agape actually means to esteem. It indicates a direction of the will. It includes the ideas of obedience, duty, respect, devotion, service, and faithfulness. Philo, on the other hand, is what most people think of, and it's also translated love in the English New Testament. And it is referring to warm, fond, affectionate feelings that are often associated with friendship. As a matter of fact, the word friend finds a root in this word um, Philo with Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, being such a, a practical um, example of, of how these words are used, right? Now, last week, and I'm trying to keep this simple. Um, simple is good. you got to start with simple if you're going to, you know, we, we don't go, uh, as we develop in things, we start with the basics, small beginnings, and build on that. And so I'm wanting to try to start simple. And so last week I told you that a practical way to renew your mind involves renewing the first thing you think of, reconditioning the first thing you think of when you hear a certain word. Not necessarily the only thing you think of, but the first thing, the go-to, right? Um, and so I asked you uh, last week, the first thing that you think of when you hear wisdom is I want you to think of wisdom equals results. Now, wisdom's way more than results. But wisdom is taking what you know and applying it in a practical way to get a different or better result in your life. So one of the ways to really renew your mind, see what the mistake a lot of people make is they think wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are all the same thing and use those words interchangeably with one another. This is why we need to renew or recondition our minds. Wisdom means something entirely different than understanding and, and entirely different than knowledge. But when we get to the wisdom level of these things, we're talking about, among other things, again, not the only thing, but the first thing I want you to think of with wisdom is results. I'm just giving you some examples here. 
I said the first thing I want you to think of when you hear the word death is separation. Spiritual death, to be spiritually separated from God. Physical death is um, when the spirit and soul separates from the physical body. And so to be carnally minded is death. Amen. Um, this means to be separated from the enjoying and experiencing all the rights, privileges, and benefits that belong to you as a child of God. Now, I also said last week that I want you to think of agape as equaling respect. Agape means more than respect, but it, this will really help you understand what the essence of agape, because the essence of agape is respect, okay? The essence of agape is respect. Now, I didn't give you this one last week, but let me just go ahead. There's also the one word more than any other that I want you to think of when you hear the word philo, and it rhymes with philo, or sort of rhymes with philo, is feelings. So, again, agape equals respect, philo equals feelings. Am I boring you? I don't want to bore you this morning. It's really, really important, okay? Agape equals respect, philo equals feelings, okay? Any, anybody in the room this morning that's married, okay, um, I pray that you have feelings for your spouse, but I also pray that you have respect for your spouse. Are you following what I'm saying? You, you can have feelings for somebody. Somebody can have a special place in your heart, um, but you disrespect them on a continual basis. All right. So we're not talking about the same things here. Um, we're not talking about, you know, again, words that can be interchanged with one another. So agape, again, I want the first thing you think of for agape is respect. First thing you think of, not the only thing, but the first thing when you hear philo is feelings. So where we really see this so clearly is, is when Jesus has the conversation with um, Peter um, in John 21 after Peter has denied him three times and, and, and has fallen, if you will, and Jesus comes to restore him. And he says, uh, because there's, remember they went back to fishing, now, th this is significant. We didn't point this out the last time we went through this, so let me just, again, real quick, like this is all introduction, all right? But new stuff nonetheless. Remember now, Jesus has been crucified. He's raised from the dead. They have seen him, um, but they're in a state of limbo. They're not really sure what to do, and sometimes when we're not really sure what to do, we go back to the last thing we did. And so Peter just looks at him and says, I'll tell you what, guys, I'm, I'm not sitting around here any longer. I'm going back to fishing. I'm going fishing. Um, and... And we see that they'd fished all night. Jesus is on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus until he tells them to, they fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus tells them, put the net on the other side of the boat. And this is where it all began, right? When Jesus told them three years earlier, they'd fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, try the other side of the boat. I believe the minute they heard him say, try the other side of the boat, that they knew it was him. Peter jumps in the water, swims to shore. Jesus has them breakfast fixed. And they bring 153 fish to shore as well. And then remember, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, there's a lot of debate about um, did he mean more than these, like more than the other disciples, or more than these than the fish. For me, it's clear he's talking about the fish. Jesus would not try to put two people in competition with one another um, you know, do you love me more than John? You know, that, that, see, that's, that's back to that manipulation side of love, and that ain't, that ain't love, and that ain't certainly ain't Jesus. I believe, you can believe whatever, it's fine. I mean, I'm, you know, just search it out in the Scripture, search the Holy Spirit. But when he said, do you love me more than these, I believe he was pointing to the boats and the fish and the nets and the smells and all that, right? But Jesus didn't say, do you philo me more? He didn't say, do I have a more fond place in your heart than the fond place fishing has in your heart? He said, do you respect me? more 
than these. And Peter responds by saying, Jesus, you know I have feelings for you in my heart. He responded with philo. That's not why Jesus asked him. Are you following this? And notice every time that Peter would respond with, you, I have philo, I have feelings for you in my heart, Jesus said, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, right? What is Jesus responding with? Jesus is responding with Peter's true call and destiny. Peter's true call and destiny wasn't a fisherman. There are people whose true call and destiny are fishermen. You understand what I'm saying? There are people whose true call and destiny is a police officer, a doctor, a, 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 um, a pharmacist, a, um, a, a, a whatever, a mechanic. You know, people are called, gifted to do that, to serve people and serve others in, in those capacities. But that wasn't Peter's, that was not Peter's true calling. It was something he could have done. It was something he was good at. It was something he knew how to do. But that was not his true call and destiny. His true call and destiny was to feed you and me. His true, his true call and destiny was to, was to serve God by serving God's people. And so notice he said, do you agape me? Do you respect me? I have feelings for you. But Jesus didn't respond to those feelings. He's talking about acts of service. He's talking about obedience. He's talking about duty. He's talking about responsibility. The, the very purpose for which Peter had been created and called. Now, Jesus asked this important question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? That's a question, right, that, that requires an answer. And he's not talking to people who hated him. He's not talking to people who were trying to kill him or stone him. He's talking to people who followed him, who went and heard what he had to say, people that he had more than likely healed or cast demons out of. He's saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do the things that I say? And the answer is very simple. We call him Lord, Lord because we have philo for him, but do not have but do not do what he says because we lack agape. Now again, let's go back to it. We call him Lord, Lord, because he has a special place in our hearts. We have feelings for him, but we do not do what he says because we do not respect him. Now that's, a, that's strong. That's really, really strong, okay? And so sometimes when it gets strong, people start thinking about lunch instead of what it is the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us, okay? But, um, but here he is because remember, our, our, our ultimate... Um, uh, backdrop for all of this teaching is learning to trust God. And this is uh, straight from the Holy Spirit. If you never learn to respect the Lord, you'll never learn to trust Him. Now, I want to get back into, and I feel like it, we kind of got a little deep in the weeds last week and, um, and didn't really have time to, to try to really help you connect with all of this in a, in a meaningful way in your life. And so um, I want us to kind of focus on that at least you know, as long as it requires. And if we um, don't get this part finished, we'll save the rest for next week. But I'm going to give you a definition of respect. And if you look the word up, you'll find similarities to some of this. But I felt like when we talk about respect for the Lord, that it just really, it needed some different words. And so that's why it's a little bit wordy but I would rather be, it be wordy and thorough than, um, than concise but um, uh, incomplete, all right? So when we talk about respect, we're talking about an attitude of reverence. So, so three things here, reverence, deference, and preference. Not just one. See, some, some definitions you look up in dictionary for the word reverence, you'll just find the word respect, okay? 
Well, I'll talk about why I think it's, I mean, you'll just find the word reverence or to revere. I think that's certainly an important part of this, but, but true respect is more than just revering something, admiring something, regarding something highly, okay? Um, how do I say this? Praise God. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but you, you realize that you can hold someone in high regard, but still hold yourself in a higher regard. So if, we just, if we're just talking about reverencing and holding, holding uh, someone in high regard, that's certainly a part of it. But when we're talking about respecting the Lord, we're not just talking about holding Him in high regard and you holding yourself in a higher regard. So that's why I believe the Holy Spirit led me to these other two words, similar in their, you know, in their rhyme, whatever, but obviously different in their meaning. Reverence, deference, and preference that shows an appreciation for the significance of the person that is esteemed esteemed okay and we see that first word in agape that first phrase in agape defining agape is to esteem it's, it's the value it's 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 the recognition that you have um for uh, a person's uh, place position um and then how you respond to that based upon your estimation or value of them so let me try to simplify this to respect god is to revere him defer to him and prefer him it's all three. It, it, it can't just be one or two of the three. It won't, it won't be the kind of respect that, that he uh, uh, deserves. And it's, listen, hear me on this now. It's not just about what he deserves. It's about the attitude that we need in our hearts to, to, to do what he's called us to do, live like he's created us to live, experience and enjoy what he's paid such a high price for us to experience and enjoy. For him to be able to not just do something for you, but to take you to the place that he uh, desires to take you to, which, again, requires trust, okay? So a few different ways to look at this. Reverence is respect with awe. Deference is respect with humility. Preference is respect with choice. So you can be in awe of someone, but not submit yourself to them, okay? And if you truly are in submission to someone, you're going to, uh, allow them to make the choice instead of you. So to revere then is to hold in high regard. But when it comes to the Lord, high regard's not enough. When it comes to the Lord, somebody tell me what we're missing there. And EST, we need to hold him in the highest regard. Because again, you can hold him in high regard and hold yourself in a higher regard or in a higher regard, higher regard still. To think highly of, to be in awe of, to admire. This, these are all you know, what this word revere means. So bottom line, respect is based upon esteem. Think estimation. Think a determination of value. If you had time this morning, we may do it in the days ahead. I can take you to places in the Bible where God said, because you have lightly esteemed me, I now lightly esteem you. You think, man, that's, that's not fair. What's not fair about that? Right? Remember now, we want God to protect our nation. We want God to prosper our nation. We want God to bless our nation. But we don't want to give him any place in our homes, any places in our schools, any places in our government, any places in our schedules. Then get mad at him for not protecting us and prospering us and blessing us and all these other things. See, we, we want to give things to God that are not meaningful to us and expect them to be meaningful to him. Don't, don't, don't expect it to be meaningful to the Lord if it's not meaningful to you. I just, again, see, we... Oh, I got to get... Amen. 
So respect is based upon esteem. Think estimation, a determination of value. So let's talk about, we're going to come back to revere. But to defer to someone is to give them place ahead of yourself or above yourself because of your esteem for them. And we said the simple example to understand deference, what it means to defer to someone, is when you hold the door for a lady or for someone who's elderly or for someone who may be struggling with some kind of health issue or something like that, you hold the door and let them go ahead of you. That's deference. Deference is when you recognize, based upon your estimation, based, based upon your opinion, your evaluation of that person, you say, you know what, this person should go ahead of me, or this person should be above me. So keywords there, above yourself, ahead of yourself. That's defer. To prefer someone is similar, but listen to the subtle difference. To prefer someone is to choose their way or desires instead of your own because of your esteem for them. Are you seeing this? To defer is let someone go ahead of you. To defer is to recognize someone should be above you. Are you with me? I had jury duty, what, last year? And um, there were folks that I felt like were more qualified in the room to, um, to be the chairman of the jury once it came time for deliberations and all that stuff, right? Um, and they voted for me to have that position. And I tried to let other people go ahead of me. I, you know, there was an older gentleman in the room. Um, and uh, I said, look, I believe he's the eldest. We should defer to him. He said, no, 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 no. I think you ought to do it, Mr. Winslow. And I said, well, you know, Mr. Winslow's my dad. I'm Mark, okay. Um, are you following what I'm saying? So I, tr- I tried to, to, because again, I wasn't just being... First of all, respect my elders, absolutely. My mom and dad taught me that from when I was a little kid. But are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? That's, def, that's deferring, saying, you know what? Somebody else should have that position instead of me. Somebody else should be over this instead of me. Okay? So that's to defer to someone else. To prefer someone is to choose their way or their desires. We could say will, the will of God, right? Instead of your own because of your esteem for them. So this did not happen, but let's say I deferred to that older gentleman and, um, and he had a different opinion about the situation than I did. Well, if I was to ultimately have preferred him, I would have said, let's do it his way instead of mine. Are you following me? I'm not trying to overcomplicate this, but again, Philo will deceive you into believing that you have all this respect for the Lord when you have little to none. You say, well, you know, Peter, he had all these feelings in his heart for Jesus. Yes, he did, but he had no respect for the Lord to do what the Lord said. He's out fishing again. Lord ain't told him to go back fishing. He, that was his choice. That was his desire. That was his way of doing it. That was what he wanted to do. So the Lord's asking him, he's like, look, do you respect me? He's just stumbling through this thing. Oh, I don't just respect you. I have a special place to feed my sheep. Do what I've told you to do. If you agape me, keep my commandments. Be who I created you to be. Right? Wasn't a, it wasn't about, sweet Jesus, it wasn't about the feelings in his heart. All right, let me keep going here. Holding someone in high regard is not the same as regarding them and their desires higher than yours. I can hold you in high regard 
and still regard myself and my opinions higher than yours. Are you following me? Now, Philo without agape for the Lord will deceive you into having a high regard for him while having an even higher regard for yourself. It's getting quiet up in here. That's okay. So let's, let's get something nailed down because we've got to come to the, the basis of these things. We revere the Lord because of who He is and because of the power and wisdom He possesses. That's, that's our basis for revering the Lord, for having reverence for the Lord. Now, if we have time, I'm going to get to this a little bit later. But Philo, again, will deceive you into basing your reverence for the Lord upon things like how He makes you feel. Reverence for the Lord, again, has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with how He makes you feel. Right? This is something, we're talking about something based on, on something more substantial than feelings. A lot of people get real reverent before God when they're facing a problem they don't have an answer for. Now, all of a sudden, it, we're going to get real serious about showing God some respect, showing God some love, right? I'm going to show you some love, right? Are you with me? See, that, that, now all of a sudden, you, you're in a crisis, and, and you, you've got things swirling in your life, and you don't know what you're going to do. And, and uh, I'll never forget, back in uh, Gulf War I, I was, I was at a church, man, I was thankful, don't misunderstand me, you know. Uh, it was a smaller church, and, and uh, we had a great small group of con, you know, com- committed people. Man, when, when the U.S. goes in to liberate Kuwait... Remember that night? You couldn't hardly find a seat in the church. I was like, what in the world? You know. Again, now notice what's happening. All of a sudden, things are starting to come unhinged. We've gotten so used to war since then, you know. But Father, help us, right? Because guess what? Next, next time, there was a big one. There was more people than normal, but not as many. And now it's like whatever. See, it's like, you know, we, we better get serious about our relationship with God. You know, these things are coming unhinged. And so now all of a sudden, see, that's reverence. That's trying to base your reverence for God on feelings. We revere the Lord because of who He is and because of the power and wisdom He possesses. Now, think about this for a moment. Reverence is personal. Because it's not just who He is, it's who He is to you. It's not who he is to your mama or who he is to the person sitting next to you, who he is to your wife. It's who he is to you. It's not who he is to the denomination you're a part of. Remember, Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? It's a very personal question. Now, I'm going to give you two definitions. I'll tell you in a minute what words we're defining here. But I want to give you two definitions. And I think it'll be pretty clear. But the Lord showed me to do it this way, all right? Um, two definitions, and I, and I want you to figure out, it, 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 you know, which one of these definitions best describes 
Father God and best describes, um, or, or anyway, let me just give them to you. You'll see what I'm talking about. So the first definition is the definition of one who exercises supreme authority in a limited sphere. Okay? One who exercises supreme authority in a limited sphere. And then one who has all power, all strength, all dominion, and is ruler over all. I think it's pretty clear which, one's, which one is God, right? Does God only exercise supreme authority in a limited sphere, in a limited area? Or does he have all power, all strength, all dominion, and is ruler over all? You with me? Okay. Now watch this, because words mean something. You do know that, right? And, and the, um, <clears throat> the issue of Philo and the body of Christ with no agape has caused a lot of things to be watered down. It's caused a lot of standards to be lowered. It's caused a lot of, um, of, of important things uh, to become uh, important. Jesus. It's caused a lot of things to become casual that need to become formal. Philo will deceive you into taking things that we should be treating with tremendous respect and instead of treating them with tremendous respect we'll treat them casually. Right? Why? Because me and Jesus are friends and he understands. Okay. So now watch this. I'm, I'm going to show you what these two words are, are, are defining here. Sovereign is one who exercises supreme authority in a limited sphere. How many, how many times do you hear people say, God is sovereign? You just demoted him. God is not sovereign, my friend. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is ruler over all. He is the creator of all things. He is the supreme authority. He has all power, all strength, all dominion in heaven and on earth. This is our omnipotent Father. He is all-powerful. He is not sovereign. Now, I've had people get really upset with me for teaching and preaching this. And, and it was brought to my teaching because we cover this every year in discipleship class. But it's been a minute or two since we've talked about it in here on a Sunday. And obviously, those are different. Um, uh, you know, People attend Wednesday evening class that don't necessarily attend uh, Sunday morning and vice versa. If you look in the King James Version, New King James Version, and many other versions of the Bible, you will never find the word sovereign in it. Revelation 19 and 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. 
Now, what we're seeing in Ukraine right now is one sovereign nation invading another sovereign nation. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we don't tell Canada what to do. Because Canada is a sovereign nation. What is sovereign? Sovereign is one who exercises supreme authority in a limited sphere. Our government has supreme authority over what takes place in this country, not in other countries. Are you seeing this? Now, one of the key definitions or, or, or factors in sovereignty is something called autonomy. Autonomy means that in the limited sphere where you are in charge, that you have the right and ability to self-govern. I'm not listen to me, stay with me now. So when we talk about sovereign and having supreme authority in a limited sphere, we're talking about, we're talking about an, an, an area, that limited area, where someone has the right or ability to self-govern. Russia has challenged the Ukraine's ability to self-govern. Ukraine has, has says, you know what, we're going to join NATO. And Russia obviously says, you know, no you're not, over your dead bodies and many of ours. And so now they have tried to, notice, inflict, impose their will, Russia's will. Now we're seeing it being imposed upon Ukraine's will. I got a lot I could say about that, but I'm trying to make this point. So autonomy is the right or ability to self-govern. So here's the thing. The devil's never wanted us to understand. But listen to me, please. We're going to understand it this morning, all right? God is not sovereign. He is omnipotent. Guess who is sovereign? Guess who has the right to self-govern their own life? You are sovereign, my friend. You have the right to self-govern your own life. You have the right and ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. That's sovereignty. You are sovereign. God is omnipotent. And what God is inviting us to do is bring our sovereignty to Him, our autonomy to Him, and and surrender our ability and right to self-govern our own lives to His omnipotence and submit ourselves to His governance over our lives. Are you seeing this? But see... Pastor Mark, why, why, what's, what's all this got to do with it? Listen to me, please, again. If our attitude towards our Father is that He's sovereign, and, and whether people ever understood the meanings of the words or not, that's how they treat Him. Are you with me? That, that, that's, how they, that's how they treat God. They, God's like an ally. He's, he's got His government, we got our government, and... And there are some times we, we need some aid from him. See? We, we need you to send some things from your uh, 
domain uh, because we, we run a little short over here in ours, and so we, we need some foreign aid. We, we, need, we, we need some help from another country. We, we, we need the king uh, of heaven to, to help us down here in our, in our little uh, uh, self-governing sphere of, 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 of life. So he has no respect. I'm going to say it again. God's not sovereign. And as long as your respect only goes to the level of sovereign, then you're missing it. He's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. Now, we revere the Lord again because of who He is and because of the power and wisdom He possesses. Compare this to those who reverence the Lord, I'm sorry, whose reverence of the Lord is based upon how He makes them feel, how much they seem to need Him in the moment, and what He may be able to do for them. I started down a path last Sunday, and I lost my train of thought, and we just kind of jumped back over, and, and the Lord reminded me of it afterwards and I said well Lord if it's appropriate and, and you'd have me do it I'll, I'll, I'll mention it uh, th- this Sunday and and it seems good to him and to me that that's what he would have me do now for just a moment okay <clears throat> philo without agape deceives us in into our our perception listen to me now I'm going to use some words here like seemingly perceived that sort of thing um, because remember, that, that's how the devil makes his living, by tricking us into thinking things are one way when they're really another way. Now, we quit singing songs like this around here at Heritage, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, um, because the Lord started revealing some of these things to us that many years ago, okay? Um, and, and it's songs or thoughts that express a greater need for God today than yesterday. We used to sing, I need you more, I need you more than ever before, I need you more today than yesterday. See, again, that's bogus. Your need for him is absolute. Harley's giving me an amen back there. Amen. Well, well, I think Molly and Colonel sometimes in my office, but yeah, amen. All right. Woke some folks up, amen. Thank you. Hey, if he spoke through a donkey, Brother Buell, he speak through a, through a Yorkie, amen. Amen. Our need for him is absolute. If you climb a flight of stairs and feel winded, it's not that you needed oxygen in that moment any more than you needed it 10 minutes ago. It's just you're more aware of a need that you've always had. This is important now, see. To say that we need him more now than we did before only reveals our ignorance of how much we needed him before. Not... Coming soon to a book near you, okay? This, I said, remember I said I've been doing some writing. I'm 20,000 words in. This is some of the things that's in the new book, okay? See, we, we have this, can, can 
no offense to any plumbers. I got some good friends that are plumbers. But see, a lot of people treat God like a plumber. He's a phone, he's a phone number under a magnet on the right-hand side of the fridge because the grandkids go in the front, right? And we don't really think about him. As long as all the drains are flowing, nothing's leaking, nothing's backed up, right? He's just got a special place in our heart, or in this case, a special place in our refrigerator. But the minute, the minute the toilet overflows and is headed towards the carpet in our bedroom, see, now we need him. God's not like a plumber that you only need in a crisis. This, this may sound like an exaggeration, but the Holy Spirit's convinced me it's not. You need Him more than oxygen. And I, I, I was typing, just, I was kind of in the Spirit, just typing some things as they was coming to my heart. And I, and I typed that and I said, well, Lord, that's, that maybe I'm just getting carried away here in exaggeration. He said, how could your need for something be greater than your source for that thing? How could my need for oxygen be greater than my source of oxygen? See, our need for God is... See, now, you say, Pastor, what's this got to do with anything? We're, we're, we're starting to understand what level of respect... You, you, you follow what I'm saying here? What level of respect... How much... When Jesus said, I can't do anything without him, he wasn't being falsely humble, my friend. He recognized his absolute need for his father. It's getting quiet in here. That's okay. It's okay. I I pray that you're thinking about these things. See, when we are faced with situations that that seem to, there's that word again, right? It seems like, oh man, you know, Russia's invaded Ukraine, gas prices are increasing, this, there's talk of a third world war, there's talk of nuclear, there's talk of this, right? See, now it's like, oh God, we, we need you, we need you. You know, see, you, you needed him last year. You need, you, you, there's never been a second, there's never been a millisecond on planet Earth that your need for him has not been absolute. So we revere the Lord because of who He is, because of the power and wisdom He possesses. Compare this to those whose reverence of the Lord is based upon how He makes them feel, how much they seem to need Him in the moment, and what He may be able to give to them or do for them. Can you take a little more this morning? Let's go to, um, I'll tell you what, I'll put them on the screen. Because here's the point, okay? Father's looking for true worshipers. I'm going to show you that in the scriptures. And true worship includes reverence, deference, and preference. Okay? Let me, let me give you the verses, all right? So we've looked at this one a time or two, but let's put it back up on the screen again. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. 
these people, Jesus speaking, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. He's, he's actually quoting from the Old Testament, but it's, it's true in Jesus' day, and sadly it's, it's still true in our day, okay, that there are people who draw near to God with their mouth and honor Him with their lips, but their heart is far from Him. He says, notice verse 9, and, right, so connected to this, is, and they worship in, they wor- and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. All right? Now, one other passage, and then we'll give you a few more points. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 says, The hour is coming, and now is. So any time that you find now in the Bible, that's a really important word. Because if you read it tomorrow, it's going to say now. And if you read it six weeks from today, it's going to say now. It's, it's, it's a new day that Jesus ushered in. So the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. So again, Father is looking for true worshipers. And those who draw near with their mouth and honor with their lips, but hearts are far from Him, He says that their, their worship of Him is vain. It's, it's, it's futile. It's, it's pointless. It's, it's, not, it's not being received by God, which means you're not benefiting from the effort. So we want to understand what it is to be a true worshiper. What, what does it mean to truly worship? Because again, this is a vital component of learning to trust God. You will never learn to trust God unless you first learn to worship Him. And if you will learn to worship Him and what it really means to worship Him, then your trust will come and flow naturally and freely. Remember what we said, esteem facilitates trust. To facilitate something means to make the process or action easier or smoother. The higher you esteem a person, the higher you esteem someone, the easier it is to, to, to trust that person. It's impossible to trust somebody you do not respect. So let's tie it together now. Philo without agape produces phony and futile worship. Because philo without agape is, a, is an emotional... Uh, it's a feeling, right? Why does it say philo is a feeling? So we're talking about having a place in our heart for the Lord, but agape is respect. So if we have feelings for the Lord without respect for Him, are you seeing this now? It produces phony and futile worship. Now the Lord said something to me this morning, and um, John Smith had slipped him, he drove down from Coleman and slipped in my office a little early just to say hello and he was looking over my shoulder when I typed this, and he said, I'm sure glad you're saying that this morning, Pastor Mark. I was like, well, I didn't say it then, John, but when you said it, I thought, I hope he's not the only one. I needed, I needed to hear you. I don't know if you know, you just led of the Spirit to tell me that this morning. You just in your head, you knew that, right? Okay. The Lord said something to me that, I mean, I agree with, I've known it, but I've never quite heard it, him say it exactly this way to me. Are you ready? He told me this morning, he said, worship has nothing to do with feelings. Has nothing to do with feelings. That doesn't mean you won't 
have some feelings at times when you, listen to me, I'm going to use a different word now. Praise and worship are not the same thing. They're powerful together, but praise and worship are not the same things. You get together with a group of people and you start praising the Lord. The Bible says He will inhabit, He will come and dwell among His people. He will sit upon a throne created by the praises of His people in their midst. And when the presence of God comes in a room, you are more than likely going to feel something. I pray that you do. I pray that you are spiritually sensitive enough to to sense, to feel the Lord when He comes into um, a place. I was um, having a conversation with Sister Beverly before church this morning and she was telling me some things the Lord's been showing her and sister I don't know but the the spirit of God was on me so strong when you were telling me all that I was like wow you know I felt something are you hearing me and I'm not saying that's wrong or that's bad okay but what's the first thing I want you to think of when you hear the word feeling when you hear the word philo I just gave you the answer right it's feeling I felt something, and, and it was real. I don't misunderstand me. It was, it was the Holy Spirit on me and on her, bearing witness with my spirit. And I'm like, man, yes, sister, I'm in agreement with that. I, praise God, you know. But see, that's not worship. Feeling and sensing God when he comes into a, a, a room where people are praising him it's a beautiful thing. It's a glorious thing. In His presence is fullness of joy. If you think I'm, I'm dismissing this as not important, then you're not hearing what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that when we talk about worship, worship has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with respect. It has everything to do with respect. Let me give you a few, a, a few verses, and we'll probably have to elaborate on them next week. I'm going to give you one verse, but I'm going to give it to you in several translations. How many people have ever heard this verse? Romans 12:1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Yeah? Your body a living sacrifice because you got caught up in the emotion of the moment. It's not what it says. It's not talking about emotion. That word reasonable there actually means rational. Not talking about, um, you know, somebody whooping you up into an emotional frenzy and then, you know, as, as that emotion peaks in your life, tricking you into making a commitment that, that, um, that you never really felt led to make. Or, or what? Come on now. Are you hearing me? That's why we don't, we don't manipulate people that way around here. That's not how God operates. Okay. But I want to show you from a few different translations what reasonable service actually means. And this is not the best translation in uh, the New King James. The English Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. God's Word. Brothers and sisters, because of God's compassion toward us, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living, sac- as living sacrifices dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. 
And so, New Living Translation, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Then, the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stand with me this morning, praise God. Your genuine expression of worship. Your genuine expression of worship. It's not something you feel. It's something you do. Are you hearing me? It's, it's something you do. It's, it's a... When he says reasonable service, the word means rational in, in the original language. He's saying, if you will pause long enough to think it through... This is the only logical, rational response to make in light of everything that he has done for you and given to you. Notice again, it's a recognition of who he is, who you are in relationship to him, reverence, Remember? Reverence is when you recognize the significance. He's not sovereign. He's omnipotent. Deference is when you place him and his desires and his ways right above yours because of your estimation, your esteem of him. And preference is when, you know what you say, I, I, I prefer to do it my way, but not my will. Yours be done. Notice now, I'm going I'm to try to show you something reasonable, rational. If he has all power, all wisdom, all authority, all dominion, who are we to contradict and do something? See again, that don't make sense. Amen? All right, you get anything out of this? All right. Is God sovereign or is God omnipotent? Amen. Father, thank you for loving us today. Thank you for helping us. Father, thank you for opening our hearts and our eyes, the eyes of our heart, Lord, the ears of our heart, to hear and see these things. Father, I believe in in your tremendous love for us and your tremendous mercy to us your desire and vested interest in us moving forward and getting things right and being protected and and all of that, Father. What's going on in the world around us and what has been going on in the world around us now for the better part of two years, Father, it's a wake-up call for your people. It's a wake-up call, Lord. We have been so blessed and so comfortable in this country for so many years. And Father, every good gift comes from you. 
But Father, your blessing upon us has caused a lot of your children to become very casual when it comes to their fellowship with you, their relationship with you, their walk with you. Help us, Father. Holy Spirit, as we take the time this week to meditate upon these things, as Jesus identified you, Holy Spirit, as another one like himself called alongside to help us, help us have a greater understanding, a greater estimation, a greater value, a greater reverence of who our Father is. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your hand of healing, your hand of restoration, your hand of provision, your hand of protection. Even, Father, your hand of promotion. Thank you, Father, that you supply our needs, whether gas is a dollar a gallon or $10 a gallon, you supply our needs, Father. We don't need you more today because gas prices are going up. Father, we, we needed you as much when gas was a dollar a gallon as, as, as we do now that it's, <laughs> our need for you is absolute, Lord. Teach us to respect you in alignment with that understanding. Father, I thank you that you've got some great things in store for us the days ahead here as a family of faith. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing among us and among our families. And Lord, I thank you that you are causing us to rise above. You are causing us to, to live victoriously and, and full of faith and joy and peace, Lord, in the midst of a very chaotic and depressed world. And may we shine like the lights that you say we are, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Good things coming to you and your family. You have a blessed week. We'll see you Wednesday night.